Welcome back to Reading to Rootedness with Father Adam and Emily, me, where we tackle some very difficult texts to get at the root of what it means to be a human being and live with other human beings, you know, that sort of thing. Yeah, not, not a small subject. <laughs> but I was thinking since we last talked, oh, uh, recorded, <laughs> it seems maybe we're diving into all these intricate parts of a human person and consciousness. And today we're going to talk about things that happen in man and man acts and nature and stuff. But if we, you know, part of this came out of the, our, our reading of the Second Vatican Council and our desire to bring it to fruition in our day, to be saints of our day, which is in the wake of Vatican Council. Second Vatican Council. So, but this this famous line from Gaudium et Spes, um, you know, <laughs> if man is the only creature on earth that God has wanted for his own sake, man can fully discover his true self only in the sincere giving of himself. Okay, we, hopefully we know that, we've heard that before, but man can discover himself, can discover his True self, only a sincere giving of himself. But that takes, it seems, an understanding of what he is first, too. Can we can we really do that if we don't even know what we are and what our actions do, like what we're capable of, what God has designed us for? Mm-hmm. So, like, going through the chapter that we will be discussing today, I kept thinking of that. To be able to live as Christ calls us, to imitate Christ, we kind of have to know... What the incarnation means that he became a human person and what the human person is, what makes us unique and again, what we're capable of mm-hmm. so that we can truly give of ourselves as a gift uh, to others. And I think a lot of person in act is kind of maybe getting, yeah, to in some way, just a deeper understanding of that phrase. How do I give myself to others and what is the mm-hmm. best way to do that so that I can then even more appropriately discover myself Hmm. now we're going to come back to that because because maybe i have to challenge you on something later oh no (laughs) but i i was thinking reading this chapter um in a very specific moment which i think will come up there's some huge there's a huge revelation in here that i want everybody to know like (laughs) i know (laughs) Yeah, and, and kind of needing to understand the human person perhaps before you can fully live up to what you can be. Yeah, it should include some, I don't know, like what we're reading today. Yeah. Yeah, that was not a very coherent thought. Well, I, I look forward to <laughs> throwing down later. <laughs> Um, okay, so this is chapter two of Person and Act. Yep. Um, last time we talked about consciousness and very much focused on the interior disposition that makes the acting and the recognition of ourselves mm-hmm. and that acting possible. This chapter seems to be much more focused on the actual process of becoming. I think mm-hmm. the overall theme throughout this entire chapter is the human being is a dynamic being. We are not static. We are 
even even without our knowledge in some processes at some levels we are constantly becoming we are physically constantly growing older but also in all of our actions and in all of our kind of experiences we are coming to better self-knowledge but also literally becoming <laughs> yeah <laughs> forming ourselves right. which is which is major major yes major see see that that within itself is a revelation that yeah. um i don't think many people think that deeply about that you are the agent in your life that you get to decide through your actions not just who you aspire to be but who you actually are <laughs> yeah and more than just I want to become a nurse, so mm -hmm. I go through all the classes and the, the tests mm -hmm. and stuff to become a nurse. But in every action you take, freely chosen, you are forming yourself. So it goes down to the very simple things you say, mm -hmm. even kind of think about other people freely or mm -hmm. choose to do for people or choose not to do. Mm -hmm. You're becoming you. Mm -hmm. Yeah, I was thinking about how in that sort of final judgment when all of our when all of our existence is laid before us <laughs> um, which i guess can't confirm that you know that will or will not happen i don't know but i i don't think that this would be able to be coalesced in just a couple of big moments in your life that determined whether you're going to heaven or going to hell. <laughs> right. I think there are so many little teeny tiny actions, daily actions that whether we know it or not, we are becoming hopefully in the direction that we want to go. <laughs> yeah. Uh, we are constantly shortening the kind of eternal distance between <laughs> who we could be and we want to be yeah anyway anyway so yes that is this chapter we're talking about efficacy but i think more importantly more throughout the entire chapter is kind of this focus on the human being on multiple levels and in multiple ways is this dynamic entity that is not static we are moving right so how does so, this chapter start? Yeah, uh, <laughs> kind of right there, uh, right where we're talking about mm -hmm. with this, I'll use classical, as in like from Plato and Aristotle, philosophical terms of potency and act, and that I should read his, his uh, pithy definitions of them because they're actually quite, quite good, I thought, uh, <laughs> being not a super philosopher myself. Find that real quick. For those who might not be Cut super in with this part out. <laughs> <laughs> Where'd it go? <laughs> I'm gonna find it super fast when in it is on page fifty-eight. Oh, wow. <laughs> oh it is Look, there. I did my prep work. Father did not. <laughs> Radio silence, please. <laughs> he says Potency may be defined as potentiality, as something that already is, but also is not yet, 
as something that is in preparation, is available and even ready at hand, but is not actually fulfilled. The act is the actualization of potentiality, its fulfillment. Mm -hmm. So that I think we generally have an idea maybe of what potential things are and what actual things are. Mm -hmm. It's this philosophical thing of, yeah, what is possible at hand and then what is brought to fruition, fulfillment. Mm -hmm. Uh, And so there's a lot of parts of the human that are in the person, they're kind of always there, and it, there's always potential, and we're always actualizing through our actions, and yet there's still always potential. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, which, there's some like never-ending store of yes. potential, which right. makes a lot of sense because, you know, it's not just humans that have potential, and then actualization. There is yeah. any chemical reaction or or force totally in the world <laughs> it's kind of a potential and an actualization right um and that transition between the two of them that threshold is is an important moment i would say so that we see a word he will use almost too much it seems is d- dynamism <laughs> uh, he uses it aggressively in this chapter but I think it captures that idea of that, that movement between from possibility to reality, from mm-hmm. potentiality to actuality. Right. And that happens in freely chosen acts, but also in a lot of ways, things that happen in us. And that's maybe another thing we need to talk about. Another thing he will continually return to in this chapter is actions that we freely choose, which he calls man acts, <laughs> and then things that happen in us. Mm-hmm. And then there's the things that happen with a person, mm-hmm. you would say. Which, should we just talk about that now? Yeah, so like, okay, okay so things that happen in man, in us, what, what would those kinds of things be? Those would be, that's a great question. <laughs> <laughs> oh, man, I love asking questions. No, see, right. see my whole strategy is just to like speak before you do so that I can ask you the question. Brilliant. Yeah, I like that and strategy. Then you have to and explain. I want to learn it. <laughs> Uh, so things that happen in man are that that's c- the confusion I just experienced in not being having have an qu- answer to the question. Something I did not freely choose, but it's happening in me that I'm even conscious of. But he will say even you say emotional things mm-hmm. and that was exactly uh, the example I was going veget- to. Yeah, he'll like talk about the vegetative soul, an Aristotelian idea, but those those things that kind of happen involuntarily mm-hmm. in us. Bodily things, he'll even connect in those things. Mm -hmm. Yeah, it's like all the things that are happening in us subjectively Mm -hmm. that we are not freely choosing. Mm -hmm. Yeah, so there's there's lots of there's lots of movement in the human being that is not necessarily always an action that we choose. Right, but they play on our actions because you can have maybe a rise of anger. And then we choose kind of what to do with it. Right. You choose to pick up that golf club. <laughs> yeah. Or choose not to. <laughs> we all <laughs> But yes, yes, it is in that transition that we are becoming and constantly becoming. And from there, JP2 brings in the term efficacy. Yes. Um, which is the highlight of this chapter. That was the main focus. It really is. Mm-hmm. So, 
this would be your moment to uh, ask me the question. You know, Emily. <laughs> there you go. Thanks you got for the it. setup, Emily. You got it. What um, does he mean by efficacy? Mm-hmm. That is a good question, Father Adam. <laughs> Thank you. Okay, <laughs> I'm going to quote directly from the book to avoid saying the wrong thing. <laughs> wow. Okay, so. Okay, so first of all, this is since a lot of things in life have kind of potential and actualization of that potential. This is kind of the feature that distinguishes human beings from other forces in the world or other animals or things. Mm -hmm. Yes. So efficacy is to be understood, quoting directly here, as the having of the experience of being the actor. Skipping a little bit. When acting, I have the experience of myself as the agent responsible for this particular form of the dynamization of myself as a subject. When there is something happening in me, then the dynamism is imparted without the efficacious participation of my ego. Mm. So not only is this what sets apart kind of things happening in me and my acting, but also, once again, it's what separates human beings from other things is that we know ourselves to be the agent in our becoming. Um, That we get to be the actor, the the one that chooses. um, And he goes on in this chapter, which this is the big revelation that that I thought a lot of people should kind of make the connection... Too. He kind of he describes this as an an act of creation mm-hmm. um, because we are the agent because we recognize ourselves to be the force that acts that changes things we participate in our own creation which is which is huge <laughs> right. and not not like creation in the sense of like. Ex nihilo. Yeah. <laughs> Bringing ourselves out um, of nothing into yeah. something. But us becoming who we want to be. Right. We get to do that. Right. Which is which is mind-blowing. <laughs> it really is. And terrifying in some way. Right, That we right. are given that, mm-hmm. or he shares that ability and... Mm-hmm responsibility with us mm-hmm. to make ourselves to be mm-hmm. sub creators mm-hmm. yeah yeah so there's many things in life that we don't get to choose the circumstances into which we are born or or the weather patterns of of today and this week and all those things but we do get to choose what we do with those circumstances. This is sounding really cheesy, but <laughs> yeah. The- well, I mean, yeah, as in no. Uh, <laughs> I'm agreeing with what your point. Yes, you're, yes. You're free- that is cheesy. Yes, I understand. No, no, no. It's fine. Okay, I will show myself out. <laughs> <laughs> Welcome, to reading rudeness <laughs> podcast with Father Adam and formerly with Father Adam, where he explains. All of the more difficult topics mm, that will follow. Yes. So, I will ask myself the question and ponder deeply <laughs> and be confused. But the, I think the creative element is truly profound. Mm-hmm. That 
our actions, even our seemingly simple actions, we are forming ourselves. We are choosing to make something of ourselves to become what we want to be. And hopefully we're pointing ourselves in the right direction mm -hmm. because we can point ourselves in a, in a wildly different direction. Yes, um, so we will talk about it. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. So, but that, like it's in, in everything I do, everything I choose to mm -hmm. do through the day, I am becoming something more or you know, like creating myself. And if, if you think about it, like I said, when, you know, God sort of lays out your life, a lot of those actions are fairly easy and, you know, manageable. It's not like you have to do something majorly heroic every second of the day to form yourself according to kind of the objective moral standards. Like there are right. so many small little achievements that we can make in terms of constantly becoming. And I think, I mean, maybe this is why Lucifer was jealous of human beings. I don't know. Well. <laughs> I mean, angels kind of, you know, make that decision instantly, mm -hmm. once and for all, who they, I guess, who they are. I don't, I don't, I don't know how you would say that. But human beings, at the end of it, will be able to look back and see the way that we have grown into, hopefully, this being that has become more human or more themselves or yeah. um, in more who God created them to be mm -hmm. in that process. Yeah, we can look back and see it all kind of stretched out. Right. And that hopefully being a moment of triumph. like Yeah, right. <clears throat> look at these 18 trillion choices I made <laughs> that have mm -hmm. formed someone, mm -hmm. hopefully, like Christ. Of course, JP2 is not going to speak about grace here. It's mm -hmm. work in philosophy. Mm -hmm. But you can see how grace can enter in, that God can assist us in this self-creative act mm -hmm. to help us to overcome our lower tendencies, our selfishness, our desire for passivity, <laughs> to truly become something even beyond kind of natural capacity when you had grace to become another image of Christ, mm -hmm. which is what we're capable of by God's grace and it's awesome and so yeah, it's a very Catholic sentiment mm -hmm. that all of our actions matter and we're kind of always cooperating with God even outside of the conversation with grace like even here God has given us a nature and these structures to use his term of the person mm -hmm. so that we can create ourselves we are the actor we are in a way building this life in cooperation with what God has given us, the tools he's given us in our human nature, mm -hmm. uh, but also with that grace to become something mm -hmm. and quite that's, phenomenal. Yeah, that's good news in the sense yeah. that, you know, even in the 20th century, that JP2 would have been very familiar with some of the worst circumstances that existed in the world. Even in those horrifying situations, 
none of that can take away your ability to form yourself according to the good. Absolutely. And so, <laughs> yeah, like they can take away everything else, but your your efficacy, the force that you have yeah. to become yourself right. will always be present. You are always free. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. At the... I mean, it maybe seems like a really simple way. You're always free inside of your own head in mm-hmm. some way. But it's also the most profound place to be free mm-hmm. and the most important one mm-hmm. that you wouldn't want physical freedom from chains if you didn't have internal freedom. Mm-hmm. This this is the one you'd want, but then, right, because you can still become who you are meant to be right. and still form yourself at every moment with your choice to help the man next to you right. and love the one who persecutes you mm-hmm. and put yourself in a relationship with God by mm-hmm. through prayer. That's the most profound, like right. this, like this has to be the most <laughs> profound thing in life mm-hmm. to choose and become yeah. someone. You can go make a lot of money, make widgets, mm-hmm. but who, who are you? What, what have you become? Mm-hmm. But then this, of course, matters with our relationships and our vocation and all these things. Because who is it that's becoming a priest? Who is it that's getting married? And what do they, what do they bring there? So maybe go back to that that quote from Gaudi Mitzvah. <laughs> I, if I give myself away, what am I giving? Am I giving this mangled human that has no idea what he, right. you know, or this, that only like, exists in potential and not an vicious actual. creature? <laughs> Right, yeah, in in thoughts. Mm -hmm. But have I cooperated with what God has given me Mm -hmm. to become who he's made me to be, Mm -hmm. to embrace the call to holiness and sanctity, to go on the journey of sanctification? Mm -hmm. Have I formed myself for my eternal life? Yeah. That's something I, I can do right now. Right here, always. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> yeah. Because that's when you see like Maximilian Kolbe show mm-hmm. up in Auschwitz. That saint, mm-hmm. this, this man who has gone on this journey of self creativity sounds kind of weird, but mm-hmm. formation mm-hmm. to be like Christ, so that boom, Christ is there in this hellhole of Auschwitz, mm-hmm. but, but like, God's love is there in this really profound way. That is what we're all called to. Mm. So whatever it is, as a priest, as a married person, at your job, at some whatever widget store. Whatever date you're <laughs> in in life. Christ is there <laughs> mm-hmm. because cause you have chosen to cooperate mm-hmm. with your human nature and grace. Mm-hmm. Uh, and you have... Become, yeah. yeah, and acted within your own efficacy you have acted and have been the agent right yeah to the, make this happen so even like personally like yes maybe for others christ is there but like mm-hmm. you have gone through the journey yourself mm-hmm. you have experienced all of these choices you've made and what it's done to you mm-hmm. where you've come from where you are are and where you're going so even just as a personal reality, mm-hmm. it's, yeah, I don't know what to say there. 
but that's got to be profound. Uh, yeah, the the dynamism of yeah, a human being. Yes, there you go. Yes. Yeah, like we wouldn't want a static, unchanging existence. Right. Like, of course, always growing, and hopefully growing towards something, is is so much more of an enjoyable, joyful adventure <laughs> than right. just staying in one place. <laughs> yeah. And, and, uh, so this may be a further point, but mm -hmm. Father Gregory Pine in talking about, oh heaven, no, are like, you bringing, oh, Father no. Gregory Pine, okay, uh, <laughs> uh, who is a great man. Uh, I, I wish I was like him in my An intelligence. I will never be as smart As, as he is today, yes. which is really sad because he's basically right. my age. <laughs> uh, somebody did tell me that they, that I reminded them of him and they didn't know that I know anything about him. So that was probably the greatest day of my life. Are you Moving bragging on. right now? <laughs> Father Gregory Pine talks of heaven. Maybe this is St. Thomas through mm -hmm. Father Gregory, but we will you know, rejoice in seeing the story of our own salvation in, he mm -hmm. in heaven. Like all of it will be revealed. And and it even talks about like this, the, the saints as a Christ, you know, bore the wounds of the cross. And, like we kind of see the glorified bodies would still bear the wounds of our love that we, that we experienced and gave ourselves in life because that's part of our story. Like it's part of our salvation. It's part of how we cooperated with God's grace and God saved us through all of these things and even saved the world through us, which is a crazy concept in itself that he trusts us, you know, to do things like that. <laughs> but we kind of, we experience some of that in life that having mm -hmm. gone through the process, but like it'll totally be fully revealed in heaven. We mm -hmm. rejoice in the fact that we became more like him, the fact that we like grew in love and all the things that we were able to, to, to do then in some way. See, I'm not as eloquent as Father Pine, but <laughs> it seems that we can, we can see that journey in our own life, that, that becoming, and the fact that like I was the agent of it. Mm -hmm. I was the actor. I was the creator mm -hmm. in some way of that. Like I've become this, mm -hmm. which I imagine has some deep fulfillment in it and gratitude, yeah. of course, yeah. that we can do this at all. Mm -hmm. I took responsibility for my life. <laughs> yeah. It be, sounds a bit prideful, but I don't think it is. I mean, it's not meant to be. Mm -hmm. Okay. We got a little off. Yeah. We, we need to keep going back to our chart here. Yes. Uh, so there are some middle chapters that get <laughs> weird. <laughs> that, did you say that get weird? That not get weird. Oh, uh, they don't get weird. They, they get complicated. Mm, mm -hmm, um, mm -hmm, and... Mm -hmm we're not sure need to be explored intensely because I think there are some basic points that we can pull out of them and then move on to the morality and the freedom aspect in this chapter. But first, JP2 seems very probably in response to kind of philosophical thought around this time. He seems very intent on, what is the right word for this? On specifying maybe on on relaying that human beings are an ontological reality yes so he'll get into uh, he'll spend a little time talking about uh, the person is not just an individual instantiation of human being that we're just like there is 
one oak tree and then there's an oak, other oak tree and there's another oak tree and they all participate in oak tree and they're just three sub, you know, substantiations oak of oak trees. <laughs> um, and you say that is not what a human person is. So the person is distinct in the world. There are not other persons in the natural world. There are angels and God have personhood, but nothing else does. And so our individualization in some way is very tied to personhood, which is utterly unique and is not fully explained by our human nature. Whereas like mm-hmm. oak tree can be explained by oak tree in these circumstances. Like mm-hmm. That's why I grew that tall or whatever. Mm-hmm. We cannot be that way because we have a person. Or we are persons that again, act and create ourselves. And thus you can't just think human nature and understand you. Right. You can, you'll get part of it, mm-hmm. right? Cause you are, you, you partake in mm-hmm. human nature, but that does not define you totally because personhood needs to be present there. And all of all of the, what that brings, this efficacy, this recognition of ego, this self, mm-hmm. and the fact that you have made a lot of choices mm-hmm. and you have, you have very unique characteristics to who you are that I can't find in a textbook or a book of philosophy, but I have to mm-hmm. find in relation with you. Mm-hmm. And knowing what you've done and those kind of things. Mm. So he's defending in a way, it seems to me, the individual person as not just a human being, mm-hmm. but a you. Mm-hmm. Right. And he's, he's very yeah concerned with kind of this human nature and how it interacts with all of these things he's been talking about. Yeah. So I think his general conclusion is human nature is integrated into this whole united identity of the human person. Yes. And so he's, you know, arguing against either the claim that human nature only brings us into existence, that isolated incident, and then doesn't affect who we are at all at any point past that. Yep. But he's also not saying that obviously human nature is the only thing that determines our actions or our experience of the world. Right. And I think you have to be very careful of that, that, you know, while human nature is kind of this grounds for all of the things that flow from it, it is, and it's kind of too integrated to tweeze out, like, this part of this action came because of human nature, you know, you're not really supposed to do that, but it it kind of flows throughout. Mm -hmm. Yeah, obviously... All of our acts <laughs> are human because they are participating in humanness. <laughs> mm. Yes. Yes. But that doesn't mean that you can kind of condense the full complexity of what is happening to the sort of essence of humans that we all share. Right. <clears throat> so then he'll, another thing he seems concerned about is the, which we've talked about before, holding together, stitching together mm-hmm. the objective world, the fact that we are bodily bodies, we are mm-hmm. we are human beings in the physical world. We are somebody, not something. Ooh, yes. yes. <laughs> uh, that we we have this human nature which is certainly includes intellect and will, but also bodies uh, <laughs> that we are real. So that problem of of the 
radical subjectivism of some modern philosophy that kind of rips out personhood from the real, it kind of disconnects mm-hmm. personhood from the real world. Mm-hmm. And so he's one, I think, I think he's saying, I mean, I had this experience in, in when I was studying philosophy and you study modern philosophy and you're just like, what you're saying is logical, but it's just not my experience. Like it doesn't, you say that I can't ever touch a table that like I'm infinitely always like getting closer, but can never touch it. But it's like, no, <laughs> I can touch a table. I'm doing it right now. I can mm-hmm. touch a table. Mm-hmm. And it seems the JP two is saying, especially with like all the consciousness and stuff, the things he's been building this argument mm-hmm. that truly in our experience of being this subject, but we act and we interact with objective reality mm-hmm. that, our experience is evidence of the connection of these things, that mm-hmm. they are not different. Mm-hmm. And we can't just ignore our experience. It is a real thing, which we talked about with consciousness, and thus it shows that these two planes, whatever you want to call them, are actually connected. Mm-hmm. And so part of his talking here about human nature and person is to say like they are contained, and he'll say that nature is kind of the, the support structure for our person, mm-hmm. but to quote the book, he'll say, it is given as a real, actually existing being, the man being that actually exists and hence also really acts. <laughs> uh, so almost like doubling down mm. on the fact that there's a real connection between the what we are and the who we are mm-hmm. and then it would show that our actions, even our choices in the who we are, affect the what we are mm-hmm. in the real world. Right. And he would say, like, if these two planes are disconnected, then our acts aren't actually doing anything. We're not actually acting, which is against our experience. Mm-hmm. And for all of this to be true, if we truly can form ourselves then they have to be together. Mm. They have to be really existing. So he seems to spend a fair amount of time emphasizing, emphasizing exactly emphasizing yeah. that. Mm. And then he'll say, to put into doubt this causal relation is tantamount to contradicting the evidence of the experience we have of our own self, of the experience had of the unity of the ego and its dynamic identity, not only with all that man does, but also with everything that happens in him. Nature is none other than the basis of the essential cohesion of the one who acts with his acting. You quote him multiple times because he keeps kind of repeating this, <laughs> this idea that they, nature and personhood go together mm-hmm. and cannot be separated, but they don't wipe out each other either. Mm-hmm. They're distinct and yet integrated. Mm-hmm. So beyond bar ontological realness, our nature. Um, There's a couple other things that he points out as kind of examples of the human dynamism, especially examples of things happening in man. So things that don't necessarily involve our efficacy and actually some things that don't even involve our consciousness. (laughs) So he introduces some fun terms. <laughs> what fun terms does he introduce? I'm getting better at this thing. Oh, yeah. Look at you go. Um, I should not have trained you that. Okay. 
Um, <laughs> so the psycho-emotive level and Ooh. the somato, the somato, vegetative level. So yeah, yeah, somato, tomato, tomato, tomato like somatic, vegetative. as in like body. <laughs> yes, yes, somat, somato. <laughs> right. So I, I don't think it's necessarily important to kind of really distinguish between these two and no. go into detail about what they are. I think generally he's kind of talking about emotions and bodily functions. These are things happening in man that right. efficacy is not the driving factor in them. They right. are dynamic and that they are movements. Obviously, very naturally, yeah. your body is growing older and yeah. your body is aging. That's not something that you're choosing <laughs> right even if you see yourself as a subject of it it's not something that you are actively right. deciding every yeah. single moment this is happening to you right um, your digestive system is doing something right. that's making you feel something or you had caffeine and it's right. making you, you you recognize that subjectively but you're not right like choosing that effect but right. it's still happening in you it's a part of your subjective mm -hmm. experience of mm -hmm. yourself and mm -hmm. And sometimes you're not even conscious of it. Yeah. Yeah. Like well, you, he talks about. Your blood about, is pumping and yeah. I don't think about that. Sometimes much. you don't understand or can't, you're not even conscious aware of bodily things until you feel pain. And then, mm -hmm. and then suddenly you're aware of this thing that was happening within you that you didn't know about. Right. Um, and another one of these things is subconsciousness. Yeah. And once again, I feel like he is kind of addressing philosophical trends, psychological trends, yeah. kind of necessarily as kind of a part of this process. So obviously subconscious are things that are not yet in your conscious, but could be eventually. I don't, I don't know. What is kind of the whole general point of these levels of things happening in man? I think to just kind of emphasize once again, that we are constantly becoming in ways that we are not always aware of. And once again, that doesn't override our efficacy and our being part of that creation, that formation of who we are. It's all kind of integrated. <laughs> yeah. Um, yeah, it seems to me, too, it kind of shows the, again, kind of rootedness of the person in human nature and mm -hmm. in, in objective reality that we really exist in a real world mm -hmm. because there are these things that we're experiencing mm -hmm. that we didn't choose, mm -hmm. like caffeine withdrawal or mm -hmm. caffeine active or mm -hmm. tiredness. It's like these other things are affecting your consciousness and your subjective experience of now mm -hmm. which is just a reminder again that we are very much embodied mm -hmm. in existing in a real world mm -hmm. which is part of the in philosophy like the modern move so he's kind of going against that trying to stitch the world back together even phenomenologies that school of thought didn't quite do that work and maybe thought it wasn't possible but here's kind of cool this scholar bishop who studied phenomenology mm -hmm. and classical realist philosophy and he's putting them finding a way to stitch them together through experience mm 
mm-hmm. generally. Um, yeah. So I think there's a good quote from the book that kind of sums this up. Talking about subconscious, he writes, there is something highly significant in the constant drive toward the light of consciousness and the constant urge emanating from the subconscious to attain the level of consciousness and to be consciously experienced. Hence, both the existence of subconsciousness and the functions it performs indubitably indicate that consciousness is the sphere where man most appropriately fulfills himself. So even though these levels exist and we are not always conscious of them, it is in the consciousness and then therefore in some ways in kind of our recognition of ourselves as the subject and then taking all this potential and actualizing it in action is where we form ourselves. So these things exist, but it is at that basic level of consciousness that we become. Yeah. Yeah. Become. Become. And it there. <laughs> okay. And so, then, yes, yeah, yeah, no, more I, to that point. Yes, yes. <laughs> so he takes the very next natural step when you've kind of set up efficacy and this transition from potential to action by bringing in morality. Yes. So, Father Adam, please tell us a little bit about this. Well. Gladly, Emily. We, yes, right? <laughs> if we have, I think, I think I'm more confident on this one. Okay. Efficacy is that understanding of myself as the actor. Mm-hmm. And we've set up that we can choose things. It's not, we're not controlled by our subconscious or mm-hmm. human nature or mm-hmm. other things. That then our choices of objectively good things or objectively bad things form us to be good or to be bad. Mm-hmm. And he really doesn't mince words on this one. Yeah. Like it's very, <laughs> very clear. And he says it again kind of multiple times in different ways. But I'll say first, maybe morality is the fruit, the homogenetic effect of the causation of the personal ego. So it comes forth from the ego. And then I'll say, it is man's actions, the way he consciously acts, that make of him a good or a bad man. To be morally good means to be good as a man. To be morally bad means to be bad as a man. Pretty clear. <laughs> yes. And then, yeah, he'll say, uh, one more. Uh, the becoming of man in his moral aspect that is strictly connected with the person is the decisive factor in determining the concrete realistic character of goodness and badness of the moral values themselves as characterized in human action. Okay. We choose to make of ourselves good by choosing good actions. And we really do become good by mm-hmm. choosing good actions. Mm-hmm. So... We can, you can't, in a way, be a good person who always steals. You're kind of making yourself into a bad person by choosing this. Now, granted, we're very complex things, things, mm-hmm. people <laughs> who are choosing things constantly. So it's not black and white, of course. But in every moral action we take, which is probably most of our actions, have some moral quality to them. Mm-hmm. We're forming ourselves to be 
that kind of person. So I think the title of the next chapter involves the term self-determination. So I, I think maybe this distinction here between what he is proposing and maybe what the modern world today proposes is that, yes, you can become what you want to be, but every single action has an objective reality that either corresponds or doesn't correspond with, once again, objective realities in <laughs> goodness and badness. Yeah. So this self-determination is not that you get to choose the way the world works. Right. You get to choose how you work with the world, with this kind of objective reality. I keep saying that, but I don't really know another way to state it. Right. And then it follows, mm -hmm. and it's kind of the scary part of it, is that we are then responsible for ourselves mm -hmm. because we are the actors or choosing these things choosing good and choosing bad i am responsible then for my action it is not my nature it is not my subconscious it is not entirely external things mm -hmm. but i am the actor mm -hmm. who chooses this thing or that thing mm -hmm. to love or to be indifferent or to hurt or to destroy or to build up mm -hmm. that is profound like yeah another really profound thing mm -hmm. at the core of who god has created us to be mm -hmm. is responsible for our lives and who we have become at the end and even right now like who i've become today is on me <laughs> i really can't blame other people or things so much because ultimately if i'm making a free choice boom i'm accountable for it right. and who i've become is a result of my choices which once again jp2 having an inside view of some of the most horrifying conditions and uh, regimes of human atrociousness that must be a pretty difficult stance to maintain that it doesn't matter what circumstances you're in. Mm -hmm. doesn't matter what people you're around. doesn't matter. <laughs> right. Yeah, what kind of situation you're in. Because, once again, ultimately, you get to decide who you've become. Which, it, which would be a really difficult thing, I think, to try and explain to someone who has experienced a lot of trauma and things that we would say are unavoidable yeah i don't know it is equally good news and bad news <laughs> right and in a kind of a different way it also goes against things that, that existed in jp tuesday and mm -hmm. maybe come out in things like identity politics today that mm -hmm. we are the result of our social conditioning or our mm -hmm. ethnicity or our culture mm -hmm. 
We can't. Say, we can't like escape from that. Yeah, we can't escape from it. Mm-hmm. You are this way because of your mm-hmm. social condition or or your race, mm-hmm. and this is against that. Mm-hmm. Like you know, each individual human person can freely choose to become who they are. And granted, yeah, like we're we're certainly conditioned by what we know, what we've learned our own experience, like those things matter. It's not we're disconnected from those things, mm-hmm. but they don't determine our choices. They don't determine how we think. They don't determine our moral character. Mm-hmm. My choices determine my moral character, mm-hmm. not do I belong to the correct political party mm-hmm. or am I a part of some group? Mm-hmm. Like, no, no, no. And that's how you can, even you know, have the Nuremberg trials, like you no, know, you sir are responsible for your actions and the, the terrible things you did to other human beings because you made those choices and you have a conscience and you can't just dump that responsibility on some higher order or some other group or some law that was present. You are responsible. Mm. But even maybe more concretely in most of our experience, it's we just go through something terrible, we make a terrible decision, we want to blame, well, I was this or that or this somebody did this thing to me. And it's like, yeah, yeah, okay, those things happened. But one, you've still made the choice and become that way. So mm-hmm. you've affected your character in that way. Mm-hmm. But also, did you freely choose to do that? Did you have the ability to choose something else? Then okay. Not as a way to cast blame, but a way to recognize who we are and what we're capable of. Mm-hmm. And the fact that we could then choose other things. We can choose the good after having chosen the bad. Yeah, it's not blame. It's not judgment. It's kind of like this frantic plea to like awaken to Ooh. the fullness of your humanness but also your your you-ness yeah (laughs) and that extends while it while it happens in the physical world that extends beyond your physical circumstances like the i I don't know if we've talked about it on the podcast but we've talked a lot about kind of the church is called first and foremost to take care of your spiritual state your soul and while hopefully there is a lot of good that they can do in the world in terms of your circumstances and your health and well-being and your financial status ultimately none of those things matter as much as you getting to choose between good and evil every single day (laughs) and choosing to live in relationship in relationship with God, mm-hmm. to to know Him and to love Him and to serve Him, because mm-hmm. like that's what heaven is: is to mm-hmm. know and love God. Mm-hmm. Which we can, yeah, like that is then of primary importance mm-hmm. in this life. Mm-hmm. Not to the total neglect of other things, absolutely mm-hmm. not. But it matters, right? Yeah. <laughs> we should probably wrap this up. Wrap it up. Point. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, 
So along with morality, he kind of takes a very brief look at what I'm assuming is going to be a very big part of... Hope so. Yes, what is coming. But that is the quality of the feature of freedom. 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 Yes, which just kind of like consciousness makes all of this possible. <laughs> right. He says, structure of man's becoming through his actions, morally good or bad, in those things. That freedom manifests itself most appropriately. That we, it's there we, we find, recognize freedom. Mm -hmm. There it is. This mm -hmm. will that is free to make such choices. Mm -hmm. Right. Because it's, it's not enough to just be the agent of some sort of force or change. You need, first of all, the recognition that that agent is yourself, but also you need the ability to choose between yeah. good or evil. Like you, right. those options have to exist and you have to be unhindered yeah. from choosing that. Yeah, you're not just in a, not, I don't think this exists, but like a first person movie <laughs> where you are seeing everything, but you're not. You maybe see yourself as the actor, but mm -hmm. you're not choosing. Like, mm -hmm. That is not the case. Like, mm -hmm. We are freely choosing. And he uses a kind of says a phrase that captures freedom, uh, which I think is pretty cool. You need to spend mm -hmm. more time thinking about. It. But uh, to say, I may, but I need not. <laughs> to be in the place, to say, like, I am able to do this thing, and I'm free to choose to do it or not. Mm -hmm. I, I may. I'm capable of it. But I don't have to do it, mm -hmm. but I could do it. <laughs> and that's kind of the moment of freedom. Mm -hmm. Yeah. I always think of one of, my, one of my favorite moments in Lord of the Rings. <laughs> Frodo is on top of Amon Hen, mm -hmm. and he, he sees the eye. Kind of for the first time, he saw it in Gladiol's mirror. But he sees the eye, and the eye is, like, calling for him to, to give himself up, to, like, stand up and reveal himself to the eye. And, and then he hears this voice. Fool, fool, take it off. Take off the ring. Just like kind of Gandalf's voice. Mm -hmm. And then it says, I forget exactly what it says, but it all fell silent and it was just him. It was just Frodo and the moment to choose. Mm -hmm. So he feels the force of this evil temptation. He feels kind of the grace of this good voice, this voice of Gandalf mm -hmm. breaking in mm -hmm. to call, you know, to, to put forward what is good. But then ultimately he has to make the choice. It's like he was free to choose. I just think it's a, maybe one of the best kind of literature descriptions of of freedom and the power of temptation and God's grace kind of breaking in to assist us to make a good choice. But ultimately, boom, it's our choice. Mm -hmm. like they will assist, but you got to choose. <laughs> and in a way, Frodo is then responsible for what he does. We had to get Lord of the Rings in. I was going to say, I think we can quit now. Like we... Yep, we got Lord of the Rings in. <laughs> we got a Vatican II quote in. We got a Lord of the Rings quote in. Like, what more could you ask for from a podcast? <laughs> yeah, we'll get Star Wars in. <laughs> get uh, St. John Chrysostom. You know, we'll get some folks in. Ah, uh, yes. Yeah. Um, so, on that note, <laughs> self-determination is next. We are slowly working our way through this very complicated work but i think already we've seen we're getting a little more confident with it i know we, i was not confident are, last time right i think we we're seeing the benefits even of diving deep into some of these interior 
processes. <laughs> Wading um, into the thick yes. muck it, that is. Yeah. How many times <laughs> we, we've referenced, <laughs> like, person and act just <laughs> in our daily lives. Um. Yeah, actually. <laughs> right. So, yes, it is worthwhile. It is difficult. But it is worthwhile. We are mm. reading ourselves to rootedness. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> um, yeah, so tune in next time. Next chapter. It's, it's, it's coming. <laughs> <laughs> it's happening. <laughs> okay, no, you try. You end the podcast. Yeah, yeah. See what you can do. Thanks for listening. <laughs> Thanks for listening to the Reading Divergence podcast. <laughs> These have been your hosts. All right. Whatever. Okay, but really, thank you. Thank you for listening. And we will see you in the next episode.